The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the price and release date of next-gen consoles of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who only signs up for crossovers. Oh my gosh, I forgot to change this to what I was going to change it to. It's been a long weekend. Josh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm living. I'm breathing. So I should shouldn't complain about anything, right? <laughs> That's well. I mean, we we all have things we can complain about. Uh, it's Labor Day, the day we're recording this. We're recording a day later than usual. Mm. Uh, so we're recording a Monday night. Did you have to work for Labor Day? I did not have to work for Labor Day. That's pretty exciting. Did you do anything fun or exciting as a result? We went for a hike this morning with the young one. Uh, and apparently everyone else in the world also decided today's a good day to go and hike. Um, so it's a little, I didn't really want to do it once I saw how busy the park was we went to, but, um, mm. but it turned out to be okay. We were pretty, we were able to keep ourselves distant from everybody. Um, That's good. a lot more people not wearing masks than I prefer, but you know, uh, I guess it's to be expected at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but it was open air, you know, and, and you can kind of separate yourself pretty well from people. So it wasn't, you know, as terror. <laughs> I want to say terrorizing. That's not the right word. Terror inducing? As, yeah, it wasn't as scary as I, as I thought it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yes. So thank you for, I asked Kyle, yes, Saturday, if we could record today. Um, because in a waterfall of errors, um, <laughs> that's a really good way to describe that. Like I've never heard someone say a waterfall of errors, but it sounds really cool when you say it that way. Yeah. It started on Thursday <laughs> and <laughs> it kept cascading. Uh, um, I, uh, I was on PSVG prime recorded on Thursday, um, not realizing I had agreed to play Pathfinder on Thursday night. So when I told the Pathfinder people, my friends, I should say the Pathfinder people, it sounds dismissive. <laughs> um, when I told my friends I had plans Thursday, then I couldn't do it. Um, they said, how about Friday? And without even thinking, I just said, oh, yeah, I'm, fi- I'm free Friday. So You weren't free Friday, were you? No, Friday was our like scheduled date night, and we were going to get um, sushi and watch Milan and... Mm-hmm. It was like our first date night in a year. So when I told my wife I was playing uh, Pathfinder on Friday night, <laughs> um, I was like, uh, how do I fix this? <laughs> and I was recording. She said, well, we could do Saturday night. And I was like, I record a podcast on Saturday night. <laughs> so I said, 
Let me talk to Kyle. <laughs> Let's see if he can bail me out of this one. <laughs> so I was very thankful you were able to push to tonight because last night we ended up doing our movie night, um, which is very nice. You know, we had dinner and, and rented or bought. Rented? Bought? I don't know what we did. We own it. D- created kind of. digital access for the future, <laughs> too? We have premiere access to Milan, which we watched. Um so yeah, so that that was that that was that. Uh, <laughs> everything for the most part worked out well. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. good. You know that that does sound kind of like a waterfall of errors. <laughs> but hey, in the end, everything worked out okay, which hmm. is the important part. Everyone got their little piece of Josh, which is you're such a hot commodity. <laughs> oh yeah, that it's yeah. nice everyone got a part of you. Speaking of which, Saturday night you were recording a new podcast. Uh, what is this new podcast you speak? Of? Hey, what a what a good question. So. Just like Kyle and I were like the niche for board games in PSVG, we also have a small group of horror fans. Um, and every year we record a horror podcast. And I think last year's went for three hours. Uh, so <laughs> Donnie was kind of like, we can't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's me, Donnie, and Lucas, uh, the three of us, Lucas of PSVG Prime and Fluxtapose. Donnie of PSVG and me, uh, the guy who fills in when he's needed. And that's pretty much all people get <laughs> want to hear from him. Uh, so we are doing a podcast that's called um, A Decade of Horror, where we're covering um, 10 years of horror, starting in 2010, going to 2019. And each episode, we cover one year of film. And of horror films. We each bring three candidates to the table, our top three uh, each, and then we ultimately vote on uh, the movie that represents the year that we're covering. Uh, And uh, I think generally it's pretty much been like we all agreed. There might have been one year where we were a little you know, not confrontational, but we just didn't agree necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, it's really fun. Um, I really enjoy talking horror movies and uh, I'm discovering a lot of movies I haven't seen before. And I'm also, you know, getting a, like a recommendation list put together for, um, from what Donnie and Lucas are picking because uh, uh, there's a lot. I mean, it, it starts off a little slow, but as the decade progresses we get a lot of horror movies um it's becoming more mainstream so all of a sudden horror becomes mainstream and then you can't get away from horror movies so it's interesting it's a lot of fun um i hope people are enjoying listening to it uh the first episode just released i believe for patrons first uh, but it's not as long of a wait for the regular feed than some of our other podcasts. So um, we already have ooh, five in the bank. So um, we're gearing up to make sure we have content for everybody consistently so that, that there's there's uh, stuff to lead up to Halloween. And, and I believe the week after will be our recap of the decade uh, as well. So. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far, and, um, you know, it's a little goofy at points, but you're talking about horror movies, so you're you're able to be goofy for a little bit. So there, there has to be some goofiness when it comes mm. to horror movies. 
For sure. You have to offset that horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's also, I think we, we take into account thrillers um, and suspense as well, because a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, movies get m- either miscategorized or or dismissed based on what the genre it falls into. Um, so right. we also we also do justice to a lot of movies that you may not even consider um, horror, but definitely have horror aspects to them. Right. That is always the hard part. I'm someone who used to really enjoy horror movies, and, and I'm talking, you know, true, true, quote unquote, true horror. Yeah. Uh, and it's just harder and harder for me to watch that stuff. I don't know what it is. It just is more challenging for me to put myself through that i guess even though i know it's fake and i know it's not real and i just really i'm not good at it anymore i used to used to love it <laughs> through college after college it was great now i don't know i think it's because movies have really become my shut my brain off and just escape thing and it's hard to escape terror you know? like it's yes really hard to escape yeah. that feeling so i think i just don't appreciate them like i used to not that i think they're bad it's just not something that's so much for me anymore well, they've so. also evolved a lot from when we were younger watching horror movies um there's a lot less for the imagination uh yeah. it's just kind of all put out there in front street and you just have to like absorb it and sometimes even for me sometimes that's tough to to just take in the information and not right. be terrified <laughs> yeah and it's interesting because if it's i guess this probably isn't super surprising but old movies that i used to watch or that i've seen a lot i can still watch yeah i just struggle with watching new ones and if something is you know super mainstream it's getting a lot of buzz about being a great film then i will still make the effort to watch it so in the last basically probably for the last five or six years i've watched one or two horror movies a year or yeah. you know or quote-unquote scary movies a year um and usually they're the like the couple that people are raving about being really really good from that year um just because i like movies so i want to kind of s- genuinely stay in the know uh but that's about usually all i can stomach but i'm well, glad that you guys are doing this we're gonna give you 10 of those movies at least so you can add 10 movies that we think are <laughs> movies you can't skip so you can always add them if you want to see them I could. I could definitely do that. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, we will get to the usual stuff. Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share what we do with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. To get things off, Josh, what is your first topic this week? Hey, so last week um, you kind of gave us an update on the games you have been playing, and now I have... Mm-hmm. Enough to do the same. <laughs> nice. Um, so it's a little bit of a mix of everything, right? So uh, I'm playing PGA Tour 2K21 with yes the PSVG crew. We have a mm-hmm. society, as they call it in this game, which is essentially right. like, uh, I don't know, a fantasy league or just a league in general. Uh, not fantasy because you're actually playing it. Um, it's basically like a club. I don't know. I just used three different definitions to <laughs> categorize it. 
It's uh, like you're all members at a country club. We're kind of in a group. Yeah, it's a yeah. group thing. Uh, so uh, we've been playing tournaments. Donnie has been setting up uh, a tournament schedules. I believe we have one coming up uh, this week as well, or maybe even went live today. I'm not even sure. Uh, I think there's Sunday to Saturday now. Okay, so yeah, so I need to get on that. Um, yeah, I do too. I don't think I played last week. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, that's okay. Last week's was... Easy compared to the week before, uh, gotcha. where Donnie created his own course. Um, it's the first golf game I've played since some of the early Tiger Woods games, um, mm-hmm. and I'm really enjoying it. I think it, it plays really well. It looks great. Uh, um, I like the controls. It takes some getting used to, but I think it's more simulation golf. So like once you kind of figure out the controls, I think it feels better. Like You feel more accomplished when you... like land a shot like really close right. to the pin or even like bounce past it. You're like, Oh, well I get closer. Uh, right. like it shows like genuine, like uh, improvement at least so far. So I've been mm-hmm. enjoying that, uh, a bunch. Um, I played, like I said, I played Pathfinder with my Pathfinder group on Friday night and we just kind of picked up where we left off. Uh, it, ironically, it was not ironically funny, that it was the night of um, my our, D, our GM DM's uh, wife's due date. Uh, oh, she did not have the baby that night, <laughs> uh, but everyone was like, "I wonder if it will happen." <laughs> How would you incorporate that into the adventure? Yeah, <laughs> it would have been easy because they're having home birth, so we would have just been there. <laughs> uh, so. Um, it's it's still it's really good still I'm enjoying it um uh I don't know we were uh we fought a alligator lizard type creature mm-hmm. that kicked our butts um I killed it with a with my bow and arrow after some help nice. from everybody else uh which is always fun because he always says like how do you like he doesn't tell you that you kill it until like it's dead and he's like how did how how do you kill it like how did your final blow hit him and we have this running joke where so far everything we've killed has died from getting shot in the butthole in the last shot of all the shots so i was like hmm this one ricochets off of a rock and flies through its butthole uh it's a lot of fun it, it it's just so like creative and imaginative and even just I to mean, sit and listen to, well, I mean, like the other guy in our party, like, it's still, it's funny to me that like, so our, one of our party members speaks goblin, right? And mm-hmm. he is talking to a goblin. And so me and my other buddies on my left, we don't speak it. So we just have to pretend we don't hear what they're saying. But of course, right. we're right there hearing what the conversation is. Right. But I'm like, wait, we don't understand this, right? So, like, he, our friend literally talks to this character, this NPC, for, I want to say, 15 minutes. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, this is taking forever. Can you just move on? And then I just go, like, hey, to the NPC, I'm like, hey, do you speak common tongue? And then they're like, yeah, why? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we could have just been hearing this whole conversation the whole time instead of pretending right. like we didn't hear anything. So there's like funny stuff like uh you see like stuff in like uh pop popularized Dungeons and Dragons where people 
get like really creative and stuff. But I think mm-hmm. the more creative stuff is the asking of questions. Right. And can you do this? And can you do that? Or is there like we walked into a room and I was like, is there cover? Because I'm like, I know I fire arrows. Like I, I'm a, I'm a ranger. So you know, all the other times I've been fighting, I've just been standing in the middle of the room firing my bow and arrow just because. <laughs> and of course, this time there was no cover. But at least in my head, I thought to ask it. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, J- Joe, our, our DM, does an incredible job at like putting together the story and is like remarkably um, imaginative. Uh, I, a job I could not do. I just thought it was great that you're like, yeah, we kill everyone by shooting them in the butthole. But it's super imaginative. <laughs> it's super like that was just that transition. Well, that is a yes. That is a choice we have made. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I don't want to change it up. Maybe I'll change it up next time if we get to play. <laughs> um, I played. So we talked about how dinosaur dino. Oh, what is it called? Dra- not, not, not Jurassic World. Dinosaur, dinosaur World. World. Yeah. Um, it's coming to Kickstarter in the next couple of weeks, and we kind of mentioned that we both wanted to play Dinosaur Island because we both own it and we haven't played it. So I mentioned to my wife, I was like, hey, uh, you know, Kyle and I talked about this, and I- I'm interested in this Kickstarter. Can we try to get this to the table? So last week, we got Dinosaur Island to the table on Tuesday night, Monday or Tuesday mm-hmm. night. Um, it is a table hog. I'll tell you that for first off, and that is just two players. If it was right. four players, we would have need to put the leaf in the kitchen table, um, just to make it fit. Uh, it's a, it is a worker placement game. Um, if I want to put it simply, right? Right. Uh, so I watched the watch it played. Uh, I I'm pretty confident. Like, uh, my wife gets. Worker placement games, like we both do. That's something that I think we're pretty strong with. So um, I told her, I said, I don't think it'll take us too long to learn this one. And while there are a lot of rules, once you get going, I think it's pretty simple. So uh, each player has a um, a, a park board, uh, kind of like imagine building like um, your theme park, like the computer game theme park. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it starts, like, essentially what you're doing is building concessions or building dinosaur paddocks. And that's basically what you do on your map. On your other board is your um, worker placement slash DNA board. So you're, like, cultivating DNA. There's basic and there's advanced. And then you have your workers on your board and you have... um, Specific slots you can move them to to uh, improve on certain things. And you also have spot for um, researchers, which are essentially mm-hmm. like bonus employees. And they provide specific um, abilities or uh, uh, actions or, or what, what have you. Some of them provide you with an extra worker. The way the game is set up is you have a, a center area. You have a victory point tracker. You have a threat tracker, which represents actually the threat tracker, I believe. So you have excitement and victory points. That's on the the middle of the table. On your board, you have threat level and security level. So your security level always needs to be greater than or equal to the threat level. Mm-hmm. If your threat level ever surpasses your security level, dinosaurs break out of your park. 
That sounds great. Yes. Um, <laughs> and at the end, uh, not the end, one, and it's clever because on each board they lay, they label them what phase they are. So you never have to really question what phase you're in or what your options are in those mm-hmm. phases. And phase four is when visitors come to your park. So visitors come to your park based on the number of your, uh, on your excitement track. So if you have 10, then you're going to get 10 visitors. You blind them, you blind draw them from a bag. And there are regular visitors and then there are hooligans. Hooligans are pink and regular visitors are yellow. <laughs> and hooligans, they are basically gate crashers. They don't pay admission and they run to the front of the line. They also go to um, exhibits uh, first. Mm-hmm. And if dinosaurs break out, you and they eat people, they cannot eat hooligans unless they're the only ones left. They eat the regular visitors first. So it's, you're telling me it's advantageous to be a hooligan. Well, it's advantageous as a hooligan, but no one's, you're not <laughs> role-playing as the hooligans. Right. Uh, you don't want them to, you don't want to blind draw them out of the bag. Uh, however, if you get like um, a researcher, like I have the security guard number two, I believe, and he still gets you, uh, you get money from your visitors. And then if they survive, you get victory points. So the security guard number two, I believe, lets you get, still get money from hooligans up to mm-hmm. two. And after that, you don't get any. So you can also like play off of the people you're hiring as well to to manage that. Um, and I think Ashley had security guard one who didn't let hooligans in or something to that effect where they had a different effect on what the hooligans can and cannot do. Gotcha. Uh, you you gain your excitement level by um, bigger dinosaurs. So you start with herbivores, and then you can uh, create dinosaurs by getting higher level carnivores or higher. There's also higher level um, herbivores as well. And you can expand your paddocks because. If you only have one dinosaur, it can only attract one visitor, but you can attract up to four visitors per attraction, so you can upgrade your paddock to hold four dinosaurs. But all these things cost DNA, and that's what you're harvesting, essentially. Dino DNA. Dino DNA, yes. Um, it plays really well. It, ta- it I think we played an hour and a half, our first game on a two-player mm-hmm. game. I think that's pretty quick for uh, like a game this big. While we're learning, like, I think we could right. probably play 45 minutes the next time we play again. Oh, dang. Okay. Um, because now we know what we're doing. Uh, a lot less questions. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a keeper for us for the collection. Um, and I think I'm definitely way more interested in Dino dinosaur world now. Just knowing how, like, just having confidence in the people who made the game. Because we right. don't really know what dinosaur world is yet. Nope. Um, I will say the rule book is a nightmare of terrible text and mm. pictures. Like, it's so busy. It's like a mess. You open the first page, it's an eyesore because there's so much all over Excellent. the place. However, I look forward to it. They definitely did it intentionally. It's like May, like, in like, like green, like old computer text. Like, they're intentionally oh, gotcha. going for that, but uh, I showed it to my wife even before I started reading it. And she was like, ugh. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly the, the way I felt when I opened the book. 
I think that's what you want everyone to feel when you open when they open your rule book. Yes, right. <laughs> I I would I would have preferred a, just even a different font and in less. It's just it's very busy. It's a very busy mm-hmm. book, um, but it was easy to understand. Uh, so yeah, Dinosaur Island, big two thumbs up. And then uh, finally, uh, I've been playing Avengers a lot, and that's Marvel's Avengers. And I'm playing on the PlayStation Four. Uh, I'm still playing the campaign. You you have the option to go right to multiplayer, but it, like mm-hmm. legit tells you like if you proceed, spo- you will get spoiled. Spoilers will happen. And I was like, oh, oh, well, I don't want to do that then. So I continue. Right. I'm like, no, go back. To- Let's finish the campaign. <laughs> um, I think I'm to the point in the campaign where what has been revealed to me it is what the spoilers would have been. Gotcha. Um, but at this point, I'd still prefer to finish the campaign. Right. I'm really enjoying it uh, so far. I didn't know how I was going to feel after playing the beta about after using other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really feel like they did a great job balancing these characters. And when you unlock a character, you like basically play as them right away. Um, at least yep. at least for one mission. Uh, and you also unlock their heroic mission, which you can do whenever you want. Um I was worried about Black Widow because, like, I played her in the beta mm-hmm. to get, like, I played the Hulk first, and then I played Kamala, and then I played Black Widow. And she just felt, I don't know, it it didn't feel like she felt powered enough compared to everyone else. Mm-hmm. In the game, at least, for her, like, the story missions you play for her, it, they make it feel balanced for her. Like, I didn't feel, well, like, I couldn't complete the mission because I was Black Widow and she has guns, mm-hmm. not... Hulk fist, but right. Um, I really enjoyed how they they use that. Um, and yeah, I I believe I have the full available roster unlocked, and I will not spoil things, even though it only took people all day to spoil things on the internet. Yeah, it about did not take who long at all. and who is not around, which is still a bummer. Um, I'm enjoying the heroic missions. I just did one um, for Thor, which was very difficult. Um, mm. I died a lot and I didn't mm-hmm. anticipate that. So they definitely add some challenge to the game as well. Uh, and yeah, I, I really just can't wait to play multiplayer with friends because, um, I'm having so much fun and I haven't even done the stuff that was in the beta that I had a lot of fun with. Right. So I know there's so much more game awaiting me. Yeah. I've played a little bit of Avengers, not as much as I was hoping to. It's been a very busy a week since the game came out that I've just with home projects and other things like that. So I haven't gotten to play as much as I wanted, but I will say I like it more than I like the beta, but man, are there some things that really annoy me <laughs> like when I'm playing and yeah, I, I'm not super far. I have three total characters unlocked right now. Yeah. I am at the, to stay spoiler free. I'm at like the next kind of base place you can get to. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I haven't done the her- the character missions. I didn't know how long they were. They're pretty long compared to every other mission, yeah. Okay, are they longer than just like the typical campaign missions? <sighs> They're probably like 40 minutes long. Okay, okay. Uh, I do think it's interesting too, and just a couple quips that I quibbles that I have. Uh, number one is very you get to a point where they're like, hey, you can, there's like these factions you can um to get faction missions yeah. to you know like improve your relationship with them the first faction mission they get that i got the recommended level was like th- three times higher yeah than you can't even do them right away 
Right. I was like, why are you showing me this right now? This doesn't make any sense. Why are you introducing this thing I can't do for hours from now? Yeah. Why are you showing me this? <laughs> that was odd to me. The second thing was, is that uh, I, I think that it's cool that some of the missions have kind of modifiers as part of them. Yeah. One of the modifiers I learned about the hard way was that explosion uh, projectiles did more damage. Like double damage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ow, that hurt. But here was my frustration. So I got downed. I had other characters with me. No one revived me. Yeah, that happened to me what once. What is up with that? Uh. Literally, I was I was <laughs> on the ground being like, you're knocked down. Hulk was on a platform eight feet above me. Yeah. I could see him. Yeah. And he just and then it's like a 45 second clock that you just sit there for. Maybe they made him intentionally like online players. <laughs> <laughs> People who just ignore you while you're crying out for help. Right. And I was and so I was like, okay, this is whatever. So I just sat there because you can't you like when you hit buttons, nothing. You can't happens. do anything, yeah. You can't do anything. You just sit there. And then you have to go into a forever load to get back into the yeah. game. Yeah. So that was a little bit annoying. So despite all of these things though, Josh, all I am thinking about is wanting to play this dumb game. <laughs> Cause I'm having a lot of fun when I'm playing it. Yeah. It's just there's a few things that I'm just really Yeah. The other thing too is anytime because the grind is so real and getting the gear, as soon as I go into the menu, I just hold down the left trigger. Oh yeah. To optimize, to optimize I don't even yeah. look at the stuff I have. I just hold down the left trigger and then go delete all the other and <laughs> basically break down like all the other stuff yeah. basically. Because they're like, oh, like, spend resources to upgrade these things. I'm like, why? In, like, 10 minutes, I'm going to have a different, better version of this. Why would I waste resources right now to do this? I hear you. I, I generally, I haven't used the optimized thing, but I generally just pick the highest level thing. And the only problem is, like, um, there's, like, if you have, like, let's say a blue level 12 whatever, mm-hmm. and you have three other blue level 12 whatevers. Right. Like, one of them is, like, some of them are crazy off base. Like, one of them is, like, uh, 15% um, dodge to projectiles, right? And then the other one's, like, right. 75% critical hit damage. And you're, like, oh, well, why would I not pick this one? <laughs> like, Right. No, uh, absolutely. So, yeah, I definitely uh, agree. I just, I'm, I don't have the confidence that the optimized would pick the one I want for me. Right. I also don't necessarily feel like it's sink or swim in each mission based on which one right. I choose. So I, th- I think and it's I, okay. Yeah. I think once I get higher level, I'll probably oh, yeah. care more. Yeah. But like right now, since <laughs> yeah. I'm just going through gear so quickly, I was like, whatever, I'm not getting attached. I'm not at the point where I'm going to get attached to anything. Cause I'm going to out level it so fast. Yeah. And you can boost so, gear and I, and I hate doing it because I know I want those resources for later gear, but you right. also have to do it for some missions just yeah. so you don't die immediately. So, yeah, uh, or then, or I hate when they're like, "Hey, go to this thing and buy you, something." And you're like, "Really? That's part of the mission is to go spend these resources I've been earning." Luckily, they the, just uh, do it once. What's the cheapest thing? Yeah, I know. What's the cheapest thing I can buy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so annoying. Anyway, sorry. That, but no, I, that's like okay. I said, I I want to keep playing. Like I keep thinking about going to play. Like I want to. That's all I want to play right now. But yeah, those are good grapes. That's definitely grapes I have also experienced. Um, especially there was one time where I just didn't get revived and. That's a long wait to not get revived. Yeah. <laughs> in the it's loading. a very long wait. The loading is very is very tough. I understand that they're loading like basically the whole level every time you load, but it's still frustrating that it's that long for loading. And yeah, uh, early in the game when you have um, 
I don't think it's, it's not a spoiler. There's a stealth mission or two that sometimes you just get really easily seen, which is very avoidable. And mm-hmm. then you have to wait that wait, and then that that's frustrating. Uh, but I, I don't, then I was like, oh, I better not get caught again. <laughs> yeah. So, no, you know, it wasn't the worst. Say, on the plus side, though, I'm enjoying the story way more than I thought I was going to. The story is so good. It's very well written. Yeah, the campaign's great. And it's right out of the comics. They did a really good job at staying true to canon um, while, you know, making everyone look just a little different than canon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and the voice acting is great. Uh, they really nailed the story. So I- I'm excited to see uh, when the game opens up and, and actually to see how the story ends. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know how it ends just based yeah. on comic stuff, but um, they did, they're doing a very good job with the, the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I said, overall, it, it is that very weird. I have all of these things that I'm frustrated by, but I still really want to keep yeah. playing it. <laughs> so yeah. I guess that's a good thing. So, all right. Well, Josh, anything else that you've been playing you want to talk about? No, I, I was trying to think if I played anything else, but uh, nothing besides mobile games. So, I don't think those count. Gotcha. All <laughs> right, Josh. Well, my first story or my first topic, I'm actually going to tweak it a little bit. We're going to oh. talk about this. It's going to kind of be a, uh, we're going to put together a stew of a few different board game related tabletop related things so number one uh square enix is releasing more than just video games this fall because they're releasing a new set for their final fantasy tcg this one called opus 10 crystal awakening uh final fantasy the final fantasy tcg was big early in the 2010s late 2009 Hmm. late 2000s early 2010s and i think this spring i feel like they re brought it back after it hadn't been out since like 2012 i feel like it had been quite a while since they had really done anything with it they brought it back in the spring it apparently is doing pretty well uh so they're bringing back at least two more sets of it one coming this fall another coming next spring uh so like i said final fantasy trading card game opus 12 crystal awakening on november 6th Josh, have you ever played the Final Fantasy TCG? I haven't. I I, I have been aware of it for a while. Um, it kind of fell into that like there's also a Resident Evil TCG. Yeah. Um, I think it's just one of those games that didn't. I don't know if it didn't market itself well, um, or it just wasn't being marketed in my like media view because I didn't mm-hmm. like I was aware of it, but I really didn't hear about anyone talking about it um, or playing it. Right. So it was the number seven best-selling TCG of spring. Uh, the order, in case you were curious, Josh, number one, Magic the Gathering. Mm. Number two, Pokemon. Number three, Yu-Gi-Oh. Now, these are for the hobby channel, so for sure. like hobby stores, not looking at mass market. Uh, number four, D&D Icons of the Realms. Number five, Card Fight Vanguard. Number six, Dragon Ball Super. Number seven, Final Fantasy. Number eight, Vice Fars. <laughs> Don't know what that one is. Number nine, the Transformers TCG, and number ten, Star Wars Destiny. No Keyforge, huh? No Keyforge in that uh-huh. top ten. Um, so, just real quick, Josh. Obviously, you know Square Enix doing these things. Final Fantasy as a TCG makes sense. Those that world is huge. There's so much in there. Is there another game, video game, or even like IP, just in general, entertainment property you think would make a good TCG? <laughs> uh, you know. I've been thinking about it. Um, I think like 
even though it's not a game I played, like I think Skyrim would probably fit really well into this TCG atmosphere, or mm-hmm. even or even The Witcher. Um, yeah. Because I think fantasy games are they thrive in like the TCG like environment. Right. Because you know you're not really limited to a set amount of characters. You're out, you, you can kind of pretty much enhance like you can do more with what is in the source material. I can mm-hmm. say like Horizon Zero Dawn would be tough, right? You have a set amount of characters, and then you're just adding like what like the thugs and the hooligans from certain groups <laughs> like how right, many yeah. cards are can you have like cards so um i think like an elder scrolls uh skyrim or even morrowind um would fit in nicely like selfishly like i would pick like like dead space or horizon or even ghost of tsushima mm-hmm. but i just don't know that there's enough in those games because you kind of like said it it's you need something that has a lot of content because these are like right these are investments to people no one buys mm-hmm. a tcg expecting it to be over in two years yeah no absolutely there was the elder scrolls card game but i believe that was only digital right okay yeah i, don't, I have no the idea name of that mm, i can't remember the name of it i was it direwolf who bit it, it might have been a direwolf digital Game. Oh, oh, the the mobile game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elder Scrolls. What was it called? Leg- Legends. Legends. No, was it Legends? Yeah. Okay. Legends. Yep. And I played that. And it was pretty fun. I, it wasn't yeah, too I like that too. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a quote unquote TCG, but kind of has that same little vibe there. So I think you're right. The fantasy realm is cool. I think doing a Mass Effect one might be kind of neat. Yeah, there's a, it's a, a lot of characters. It's an expansive enough, you know, universe there, and you have all the different races and all the different things that you can work with there, which I always think of that, you know, I always go back, obviously, to Magic with how many different, you know, groups that they have in that game, and I feel like something like Mass Effect would potentially work. Um, so that'd be cool, something, you know, that Bioware could work on and maybe get done before their next video game. Um, <laughs> but, Josh, what would it take for you to play Final Fantasy TCG? Would somebody uh... have to give you the cards, and even if they did, would you play it? No, I'm pretty open to playing anything. I think, honestly, if my buddy just said, hey, I want to play Final Fantasy TCG, I'd be like, okay, let's do it. I'll be up for it. It's it's the it's the playing with someone is the problem, right? Like, right. I would play, I would try any TCG if, if my friend was like, hey, like if we just can't play together online, you can't play a TCG online unless you're playing a digital version of it. Unless we had two webcams going, and it's like it would just be difficult. So yeah, if my buddy said, "Hey, let's play Final Fantasy," I'm like, "Cool, let's do it." I, I'm up for it because it's it's all the mechanics, right? You could even the theme, while the theme is important, if it has good mechanics, it like supersedes the theme. Like that's what you want. Yeah. No. Absolutely. All right, and that story was from ICV2, as are the next couple of things we're going to talk about. Because, Josh, in that, I broke down the top 10 collectible games of spring 2020. Mm. Uh, should we talk about some other top 10s from the spring for board games? Yeah. Sound like a plan? Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Top 10 hobby channel. Do you want board games first, or do you want card slash dice games first? Uh, card slash dice games. Let's keep it on All cards. right. So here are the top 10 hobby channel again. So not looking at mass market, not looking at Walmart and Targets and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the top selling games from spring 2020. We'll go from 10 to one. That'll be more fun. Number 10, exploding kittens. Hmm. Number nine. Oh shoot. I should have, <laughs> uh, number nine is Tio Tohuacan. I always struggle with saying that <laughs> game's name. Tio Tohuacan. Uh, number eight is century. 
Number seven is Throw Throw Burrito. Okay. Number six is Coup. Really? Number f- Yeah. Number five is Dungeon Mayhem. Number four, Marvel Champions. Yeah. Number three, Marvel Legendary. Really? Number two, yeah. Number two is Dominion. So, Josh, thinking about this. Wow. Card dice games. And it's- Card slash dice games. What do you think is number one? Based off of this list, I have no clue what number one could be because I was- I'm surprised to see Legendary. Um, I mean, I get it's a card game. Is it Ascension? Yeah, it is not. Number one, this will make sense when I say it. Number one is Code Names. Oh, yeah. I guess that yeah. makes sense. So there you go. So those were the top 10 best And that's not including cards. mass market retailers? No. And Code Names nope. is still number one? <laughs> not still number one. Wow. So, and this now important thing to note: this is based on interviews with retailers, distributors, and manufacturers. Mm. Um, so, this is the thing with board games, especially, is it's very, very hard to have like an NPD. Yeah, you know, like NPD exists for certain things, but it's it's much more challenging for the board game hobby just because of how distribution works for something like that to exist. All right, Josh, and then board games. Here we go: ten to one. Again, from the Hobby Channel, and again, this is from ICV two. Thank you to them. Number ten. Charterstone. Wow. Number nine, Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Yeah. Number seven, Everdell. Okay, that seems low. Number six is Catan. Number five is Azul. <laughs> Number four, King of Tokyo. Okay. Number three, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Number two is Root. So oh, what man. do you guess would be number one what i will tell you is is that number one is an extremely popular game that you could find at stores like targets and walmarts and things like that is it uh, is it carcassonne it is not it is pandemic uh, number one. that makes sense so there you go top 10 board games of spring 2020 uh i own eight of the 10 oh i wasn't even I don't, mentally checking yeah. those boxes so, because, again, Charterstone, Ticket to Ride, Betrayal at House on the Hill, Everdell, Catan, Azul, King of Tokyo, oh. Quacks of Quedlinburg, Root, and Pandemic. I own nine of the Yeah, team. so the only one I don't, I don't own Azul, never owned Azul, and then Betrayal at House on the Hill are the two I don't have. What don't you have? I don't have Root. Root. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, But I'll be changing yeah, that. There we go. I'm going to get that on PC. I mean, does that count? No, it doesn't count, but at least I get to play it finally. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And it is a really, really good game. Definitely worth the play. All right, Josh, and the final thing that I want to bring up for a very, I think, fun, kind of interesting reason, especially since you are now playing Pathfinder. Mm. Um, Also, again, from ICV2, Wizards of the Coast has dropped their Magic Gathering release schedule for 2021. So in general, I don't want to go through all the sets that they're releasing because they basically walk through every single set that they have that's coming out, which is fun and cool if you want to go ahead and read that. Um, I do think it's fun that they are going to a new plane, though, that's called Strixhaven School of Mages. (laughs) What up, Harry Potter? Anyway, um, so the big news, though, and this is quoting from ICV2, uh, quote, the big news from the 2021 release is a D&D branded Magic the Gathering set Mm. called Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. D&D have crossed paths before on the role-playing side of the brand, but this is the first time D&D has entered the realm of TCGs since Spellfire in 1994. If this brand crossover succeeds, it could open up several D&D worlds to join the Magic Multiverse. So I just thought that's really interesting that, you know, after all of these years, we're finally getting Wizards of the Coast, two biggest things, Magic the Gathering and D&D, finally getting a crossover set 
where it's you know magic in D D like in the true like tcg sense there's been some board games and some other crossover kind of things there yeah uh, but it's kind of cool to see them exploring this as an actual tcg and i think that's very very interesting do you have any thoughts on that at all yeah it's interesting that it took them this long because they just well and they just did ravenica in D D like two years ago Mm-hmm. So you would think that this might have been something that they decided at the same time, like, hey, well, you're going right. to bring us into D&D. Why don't we bring you into magic? I mean, it makes, it makes total sense. Um, right. Maybe even the only hesitation might have been because they already have so many uh, magic cards that cover classes and uh, like yeah. characters that will already fall under the D&D like, banner. So maybe they thought it was confusing. Um, but it makes perfect sense for them to do it. And yeah, maybe they, I don't know if they had a lot of success bringing, uh, Ravenica to D and D and if it got more magic players to play, um, D and D, but maybe this will have that effect to get those D and D fans over to magic. Yeah. It'll be interesting because they typically, I think they've changed their release schedule from how it was when I was playing. Because you typically would have a core set and then two big and a small. Well, actually, you go big, small, big for whatever the new plane they were like kind of looking at was. And I feel like, you know, and then they'd have a couple other like just for funsies projects, products in there. So I'm wondering because it's on the release schedule, it's supposed to be quarter three, which is was where that comes in, which is typically where roughly core set would have been because core set was usually late summer. So, yeah, I, I am wondering kind of how that's all going to work and whether that's going to be a incorporated into standard magic set or if this is going to be this one-off fun side thing you can do. And that's the thing I just don't know the answer to. Yeah. So, cool. But that's it. All the kind of some board game news all wrapped up there. Josh, what's your second topic? Well, this will be, I mean, this will probably be a quickie, but um, uh, it's still in the board game realm. Uh, essentially, so we've already talked in the past about a He-Man game coming from Simon. Um, yep. and we were told it's coming, we're not even going to see it until next year, uh, right. when the Kickstarter goes, uh, however. So then it'll be 2022 probably by the time we yeah, get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, we do have another He-Man Kickstarter coming sooner than the Simon release, uh, and that is from Archon Studios. It's called Masters of the Universe Fields of Eternia. It is also a miniatures game. Uh, like I said, it will also be on Kickstarter. However, it is only available in Europe. And huh. I'm so what I thought was interesting is it doesn't necessarily say like typically if you back a Kickstarter, it, you know, right. region doesn't matter. So right. I don't know that this is like going to be any different than that. But as far as like purchasing this in a, on a retail level, you won't be able to buy it in the United States of America or even North America, I should say, just in Europe. Right. Um, uh, basically, I mean, I, I could tell you more about the game, but do I do that to our listeners? <laughs> because if you're excited, if you don't back it on Kickstarter, you probably you probably have to pay a lot of money to own it <laughs> right um essentially um they're off it's a it's a miniatures game you choose from a variety of factions each with them with their own unique ability um there's he-man skeletor she-ra evil lynn man-at-arms beast man tila and many more 
uh, with uh, all the miniatures are uh, 32 millimeters, uh, lots of detail. They're even uh, going to offer a castle Greece called Dice Tower as part of that the campaign. <laughs> you can also pre-order a miniature now. You can pre-order um, He-Man and Battle Cat for 20 bucks, uh, and that's a very cool-looking miniature as well. A lot of detail. Uh, the reason why I brought this up, one, because I love He-Man, but two... Um, I wanted to ask you what you think about like region exclusivity in board games. Now this is, there's only a few um, and I can only tell you one off the top of my head. And that is Darth Vader rising, which is in the, the OPs rising series. So we have death eaters rising, um, Thanos rising, and you can right. only get Darth Vader rising in Europe. You, is that because of, Fantasy Flights, Star Wars uh, it's, deal? It's, yeah, it has something to do with the licensing, which is the same issue with He-Man. Someone owns, Seaman uh, owned the licensing rights for He-Man in the United States, but not the United, not the world. So right. the rights are apparently, I guess, weird with board games where you can have region regional rights for games. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, so Star Wars... Uh, sorry, Darth Vader Rising is not available in the United States. You cannot purchase it in the States. So you see a lot of people selling it uh, online or people going to like Amazon.uk or .co.uk um, right. to buy it, but you're paying a lot of shipping. Um, so I'm curious. So I wanted to know what, what do you think about region exclusivity and board games? Um, do you think it, do you think it should be a thing? If I know that that's like a, a Kind of, that's a weird question because we don't control the rights of properties. Um, right. But do you think, I don't know, what do you think about someone owning the rights for a specific part of the world when they buy the rights to a project? That just seems really odd to me. And I do wonder what's going to happen. And maybe it is one of those situations that if you try to order, if you try to back this on Kickstarter, Based on your address, they'll just tell you you can't. Yeah. I, like, do you think they'll do that? I mean, I guess or it's possible. Or will shipping be like three hundred dollars? <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I'm curious what the 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 exclusivity deal is. Maybe they right. aren't allowed to sell it in the United States. Like like some sort of like non compete clause again, like that Simon has out. Right. Um, because if they're both going to be on Kickstarter, yeah. I mean, like, wouldn't this take away from Simon's potential sales? Right. Yeah, this is, hmm. I guess maybe the market is small enough that, you know, the chances of something like this seeping or people being able to get this or, or being up in arms about this isn't as prevalent. Because obviously if this was a video game, right? people would be super upset, you know, and there's digital distribution and all these other things. But yeah, maybe this is just, I, I feel like it's kind of silly, but I'm also not a business person. Right. It seems bad to limit your ips like this now granted this game doesn't say it has orco in it so i guess i'm out anyway <laughs> it does say and others <laughs> that it does say and others or oh, s is and many more yeah let so, me see if he's on the cover of the box he's not on the I don't cover, see him on of, the the cover box. of the box yeah <laughs> do not see it now granted my he-man uh knowledge is a little rusty uh i did have the orco toy though did you have that orco toy where he had the little ripcord yeah. in him and you'd pull him and he'd spin around yeah yeah, I had that too. That was like my favorite toy. Uh, okay, so yeah, this just seems weird. It does seem weird, right? It just feels. I, I mean, you kind of said it right. Like it's we're not we're not like 
we're just talking about a He-Man board game. It's not like we're talking about, uh, like, insulin. (laughs) Like, who cares, really, when it comes down to it? But it is interesting that uh, we could potentially get really excited about a board game and then just find out we can't can't even buy it because we live in the wrong part of the world. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm gonna be really interested when this low when this becomes this low. The reason I said that is because I was looking at Archon's page and one of their games is called Load. Um, <laughs> when this comes on Kickstarter, if I try to back it, I just want to know what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually curious. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned that it might not even be an option for us in the United States. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you look at if you, like with the amount of Kickstarters we backed between the two of us, we've definitely seen projects where like. International shipping is a colossal nightmare and it's super expensive. Right. So this may be something that they just don't even offer it. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, and since they are, you know, a UK based place, yeah, you're right. Because, you know, often you'll see, or not UK, but a European based company. I think they're based in Poland, actually. But, you know, you'll see for games from United States companies, it'll be like, oh, EU friendly. Maybe they'll <laughs> specifically say yeah. not US friendly. <laughs> That would be hilarious if they did that, I think, actually. It's just but, funny yeah, when, you, when you click the pre-order, it has it in American dollars. It does. That is true. I just don't. No big deal. I don't get it. <laughs> so, well, we'll have, to che- we'll have to keep an eye on this. We'll have to see how that uh, region exclusivity works out, whether we're able to back the Kickstarter. I I wonder if we could. I'm sure we could pay someone in Europe to back it for yes. us and then ship it to I'm us. I'm sure we could. Board Game Geek I'm is sure great for that. Too. Yeah, that it absolutely is. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it, though. And when this comes up and it is on Kickstarter, we'll have to check it out and see what we can do or can't do with it. All right, Josh, my next topic uh, is, hey, Nintendo did a (laughs) Mario-specific Direct last week with no announcement. They just put it on the internet. And granted, there were a number of rumors that this was going to happen, but they just, you know, uploaded a little video about some Mario stuff they're doing. So... While that, you know, that direct has happened and the speculation of when the next direct is going to happen has already started. It's already started. <laughs> um, the Mario Direct did announce some cool stuff. So starting with Josh, did you watch this direct? I did watch it, yes. Did you watch it live or did you or like right when it released or did you watch it? Later? I actually because I didn't even know it was a thing when I when I logged on to to YouTube to see what was out for the day. Yep. Um it was just in my subscription feed and I was like, Oh, oh, there was a direct. But it wasn't surprising to me because the Nintendo Jack has been talking about it for nine months and it just finally <laughs> happens. Like we're going to get a Mario anniversary direct every month. They said it every like, and then, so I wasn't surprised when I saw that it was a 35th anniversary Mario direct. You know, the the <laughs> Nintendo direct speculation is just like the uh, next gen console like release date and price. Like it's got to happen eventually. Like, so if we just keep right, saying it, right. that it's we're eventually we'll be right. <laughs> I mean, Whereas we're going to be pre-ordering consoles, not knowing the release date or the price. We'll just be like, yes, just give it to yeah, me. Yeah, because we have a we have <laughs> we have a state of play coming up, and and uh, it's going to be on PSVR and not PlayStation Five. <laughs> so, so they're they're following in the footsteps of the Mario. They are following <laughs> in the footsteps. So, uh, what did you think of the direct? Like it overall? What were some of the things you enjoyed or didn't enjoy? What What what'd you think? I was actually very surprised with the of the content that they they had in this um, direct. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed everything that I saw. Um, I missed a lot of the last of a few last few Mario games, the Wii U ones. Right. Um, I mean, do, do I love that Nintendo keeps recycling their old IPs? No, 
I would have loved a new Mario announcement, but I also get like, I get the Mario hype. I really do. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I gave Mario Sunshine a shot. I just didn't love it. I never played Galaxy. Right. But I think it's cool that like a new generation would get to play Mario 64. Hopefully mm-hmm. it holds up better than most N64 games do now. Um, because that just happens to be a really bad generation of games. PlayStation 1 and N64 games, right, they, yeah. they just don't hold up graphically, and the controls nope. are just so bad. They are, uh, in general. Uh, yeah. So that, like, that I was excited to see. I really thought the Mario Kart Live was very cool. It's not something I'm going to buy, but I, I really like the idea. I just, I would never use it. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's actually... Uh, I think priced pretty well from what I thought it could be. Um, I love that they're adding more games to Nintendo Online. Mm-hmm. So we get Super Mar- or we get Mario All Stars. Yeah, uh, which is something that I loved playing on the NES. Um, and there's, I know there's more that I'm forgetting, but uh, I just thought it was good overall. Like, if you're a Mario fan, like obviously, if you're not a Mario fan, this direct is not for you. Right. Um, oh, the Game & Watch looks really cool. It's actually yep. pretty uh, pretty well-priced. Uh, I expected yeah. it to be $100, <laughs> and they probably could have got away with charging $100 for it. Probably true. Um, but yeah, what about you? So overall, I thought they announced, most of the stuff they announced was, was pretty cool. I agree. Um, Super Mario 3D World mm. Uh, mm. is cool, and it looks like they're doing some fun, good work there. Yep. Super Mario Brothers 35, I think, is interesting and neat. I do think there was a fan mod of a game that basically was this game. Oh, really? <laughs> that, that, that they shut down. Now, I'm not saying that's what made them make it, but I feel like I'm trying to go back to the recess of my brain. I feel like something like this had been done by a fan one time um, where you had multiple people kind of competing um, playing Super Mario Brothers. But I think, obviously, my guess is that Treacherous 99 was the what yeah. spurred this on. But uh, that's kind of cool. Like you said, Mario Kart Live. I think that's a neat thing. I don't know. I wonder if it's one of those things that people will get, and I don't know how much they'll use. Yeah. Because... It takes a yeah, lot of work. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, and I just think about, like, my house, how that would work in my house, and I don't know that it really would yeah. work very well, you know? But it's cool, I think, for people who can make that happen. I think that's awesome. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think overall, pretty good stuff announced. Um, but, Josh... I think the big the big thing, yeah. right? This this time the elephant deal, in the right? room. <laughs> so Mario 3D All Stars, uh, timed release, limited run of physical games, um, and it will only be available to purchase both physically and digitally until the end of March. Yeah, and they're doing the same thing with Mario 35. Available that one will be available October 1st, only until the end of March. Um, Super Mario 3D All Stars comes out September 18th, only available till the end of March. What do you? How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's like imagine being the developer on those games, <laughs> right? And they're like, "Congratulations, the game is complete." And then <laughs> we're only going to sell it for six months, and then it's gone forever. What? Wait, I must have misheard that. <laughs> I have misread the memo. Uh, these TPS reports are all wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> why? Why? I don't get it. I mean. This is me hating Nintendo the way I jokingly do. Nintendo's being Nintendo. They're trying to force demand onto our product, and it's working. 
everyone was like, oh, I wasn't going to get it, but now I have to get it. Like, right. you don't have to get it. <laughs> I mean, you do if you want to play it, right? But you can right. also just go get an N64 or a GameCube and play these games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't understand why they would do this. And I'm not sure if they're going to just come back and re-release it again or sell them individually. And they're just doing this as like a package for a limited mm-hmm. time. But the messaging is very unclear and it's very bizarre. And it's it's like fan service at the same time being anti-fan service. It's bizarro Mario. <laughs> like, hey, it's me and see ya. Like, you right. can't play my game anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. so bizarre. I, I will be honest. When this was first announced, I didn't really care that much. For some reason, I just thought it was fine. Whatever. Yeah. Nintendo got a Nintendo. They're going to just do their weird thing. And the more I read about it and the more I listened to other podcasts and people talk about it, the less and less I'm okay with it. <laughs> sure. And I mm, like I I really genuinely feel like this is Nintendo trying to shore up their holiday. Maybe, yeah. Right? Like you have new consoles coming out. You're not releasing a new console. And your other game is Pikmin 3. Another old game. <laughs> right. Like, that's what they have, right? And granted, Animal Crossing, absolutely killing it. Animal Crossing is selling hand over fist. Still one of the best-selling games of the generation. I mean, it is absolutely doing business. Yeah. So, but really, Nintendo has been very quiet otherwise this year. They've had some, like, indie directs. They've, they've done a little, some partner stuff. But in general, Nintendo has been very quiet. Yeah. It's... Uh, as someone who didn't, you know, my Switch is definitely my third console. Yeah. You know, it is not, I'm definitely not as plugged in as, you know, people who are big Nintendo fans. But I think I'm more plugged in than the average public is or the average consumer is. And I, I don't feel like Nintendo has made a big push this year to talk about what they're doing. Um, And I think that's part of the reason that all of the direct speculation has gone the way it has because... Nintendo did what did they do this summer right you know when like what would they have done at E3 if E3 happened this year and maybe COVID really messed up all of their things that's very possible sure. I think more and more we're seeing the impacts that COVID has had that weren't necessarily suspected but like if Nintendo was at E3 this year and they're like hey Super Mario 3D All-Stars awesome Pikmin cool <laughs> And maybe they have the fortune, right, that they can just sit back on everything else. But the, it seems like they're really trying to do this to ensure that they have. And the, my big thing is, is this game is going to sell gangbusters anyway. Right. They didn't need to do this, I don't feel like. I don't know that this adds anything to it, right? This game is going to sell cuckoo bananas no matter and what. And it would always sell. Like, we just gave my mom a Switch, and she immediately bought Mario Odyssey, a how-many-year-old game. Right. And right. she's not good at it, and she doesn't like it. But yeah. She bought it because she knows Mario. And I was like, you should have talked to me first. There's a side-scrolling Mario. But that's that's beside the point. Um, There's, yeah, I mean, I just, it is it is weird. We we also, like, we find ourselves, like, at the mercy of this expectation we have of companies, too. Like, it should be okay for companies to have a year off. Uh, Oh, absolutely. But that's the problem, right? Like, if this is the case and they feel like, if they are doing this to give themselves a successful like holiday season, like that's on us and them. Like right. they're under this pressure to um, have this holiday season, and 
I mean, Nintendo is still a company that their games are consistently $60 to first party. Yeah. They consistently sell. And, yep. and, and the nostalgia runs Nintendo. And I think that's great. Like, Nintendo is my nostalgia machine. So why, why are you going to tell me come March? I, I, ha- I can't, I can't buy Cyberpunk if that's my budget because I have to buy Mario. Because right. if I don't buy Mario and I can't afford yeah. it by March, then I'm just SOL or I'm paying $185 yep. on eBay for it. <laughs> like already. Yeah. It's bizarre. So it is bizarre. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. it It's, you know, for, for, especially in the, these uncertain economic times, they are helping to ensure that if you can only get one game this, this holiday, you get three games. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a great bargain for them. If you, if you come down to that situation where you have to pick and you're of a certain age, you're probably going Nintendo, which is good for them, I guess. <laughs> that's true. I do wonder, though, how people would have reacted if, you know, when they redid the Crash trilogy, they basically didn't do anything to them and charge $60. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get some comments. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, here's the sad thing, though, Josh. I'm probably going to buy this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was considering I have the problem. it too. I'm 100% the problem. Because I, yeah. Well, because <laughs> so if I you can... don't buy it, you can't buy it. <laughs> well, right. But I, yeah, I can throw stones all I want to. I'm still going to buy it because I'm still a total hypocrite. So what? what don't worry. Doing? I mean, they said they remastered them just to fit 16 by 9. But I, I got to tell you right now, Mario 64 is not going to look great at 16 by 9. No. <laughs> Well, but it, it isn't even 60, 60. Oh, they put the borders on, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So it's still, it's not even. <laughs> and there are, and granted, for Mario 64, and I think this legitimately could be true. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, maybe if that game were in widescreen, it would just break everything. And I can it see probably that potentially would, yeah. true. Yeah, you don't want yeah, that game so, in widescreen. No, yeah. So that <clears throat> totally makes sense. Not a huge deal there. So, and like I said, I joke because I'm. Cl- the reason I make that joke is because I'm clearly someone who's going to buy this stupid thing. So yeah. like it helps me feel a little bit better about my poor decision making. <laughs> I think we also, we go a little bit harder on Nintendo because we know Donnie's listening. <laughs> yeah, Just I, a little I bit. <laughs> I don't, Out of here's love. the thing. And I, granted, I haven't listened to the latest Nintendo Shack. I don't know where they all came down on this. I genuinely don't know. Um, but with how hard donnie and other people now are with everything xbox is doing yeah about you know like i'm someone who's like yeah back compatibility not a huge deal for me and even if playstation announced even though supposedly they're not but even if playstation was like yeah playstation 5 fully backward compatible through playstation 1 my reaction would be like well that's nice right but that's it like i it, it just isn't a thing that for me is super important or that i have this strong desire for it's just not a huge deal uh, but just thinking about everything Xbox is doing in this space of backward compatibility, making sure all of your collection carries over, basically, you know, upgrading the quality of the games just through the power of the hardware. You don't have to pay anything. You know, it's that whole free master idea of getting remasters for nothing. Um, and it's just a different business model, right? Nintendo is doing what Nintendo is going to do, as they've always done. I just think as you see one company who is really going a different direction I think even though I know I'm going to buy this and even if like PlayStation came out with the uh, the Resistance trilogy remastered and it was all better and it was $60, I would buy that too. Yeah. Like I, I you know, I'm not 
I do wonder how much longer in general gamers are going to be okay with this. You know what I'm saying? But we also got a Spyro Trilogy completely remastered for like $40. That's true. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely it was. So I will, yeah, To I, give Nintendo I, credit, I will say this. I, I'm surprised that they put this game, three of them together for $60. I really thought they were going to be sold individually. <laughs> yeah. And I... I think it was Imran Khan who mentioned that, you know, it would be cool if they were like, hey, for a limited, this game is available for a limited time. And if you buy it, like, or not even that it's available for a limited time, but if you buy it by like March, whatever, then you get like Super Mario Galaxy 2, like later, you know, but then if you don't, you'll have to pay for that down the line. Like if you want to drive sales or other ways to do it. Uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense of looking at different ways to do it other than this. Because, yeah, this really does kind of make it feel a little icky. Like, oh, I have to get this or this. Right. right. There's not a eventually I'll be able to get this thing. You you don't have that eventually choice. Yep. So. But, hey, you know what? Like I said, I am a hypocrite and still probably going to buy it. So there we go. <laughs> no big deal. Josh, what is your third topic, sir? Well, my third topic is a question for you and our listeners, honestly. Should a gaming companies who still charge full price for games be able to run in-game ads? What do you think before I even mention the story? Oh, you don't need to mention the story because someone has experienced what is happening in this <laughs> yes, story in have. the game. <laughs> so, uh, notorious um, consumer offender EA is back at it again, <laughs> trying to make money off of the backs of their consumers uh, EA is responding to fan backlash to in-game ads in UFC 4. Quote, this is from Eurogamer, it's abundantly clear from your feedback that integrating ads is not welcome, according to EA. Uh, so in a statement uh, to Eurogamer that was also posted on Reddit, EA said earlier this week, the team turned on ad placements in EA Sports UFC 4 that appeared during the replay moments in-game. This type of advertising inventory is not new to the UFC franchise, though we have typically reserved displaying ads to specific main menu tiles or octagon logo placement. Uh, We realize that this should have been communicated with players ahead of time, which which I don't know would have changed anything, Um, and that's on us. We want to make sure our players have the best possible experience playing EA Sports UFC 4. So ad integration and replay and overlay experience will not be reappearing in the future. Now, how many times can EA apologize for doing something that is viewed as wrong? Uh, And I'll tell you my first thought. So I didn't necessarily... The first thing I thought of was like the the Xbox dashboard and how Uh it is constantly evolving, right? But for a long time, it was just loaded with ads. Um, but that's free. (laughs) Like that comes with your console, uh, uh, in an ideal world, in in a business world, EA is getting money for every ad they run in their game every time they run it. So EA is making money for as many ads as they run. And imagine it's just a million people playing UFC four and they see seven ads for the boys in an hour of playing the game. Yep. Why are they still charging you $60 for that game? I know it. Well, you know exactly <laughs> yes, why they're still charging $60 for that game. Um, it's very frustrating to me. I'm getting ads in my Gmail, on my phone. I'm getting ads on my Fire tablet. But I that one, at least I knew 
when I bought it, I paid less money right. to get the ad version. So do you think, and, and actually I want to hear about your experience with it, but do you think this is a situation where maybe games offer ad-free versions? Or do you think that they should just maybe sell games for 20 bucks cheaper? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And then, and then what's your experience been like in UFC uh, with the ads? Is it as bad as it sounds? Well, they are now gone. Yes. Which is nice. Uh, the first time it happened, I got really confused because they, I, I didn't, it was almost like I didn't exactly know what was happening. I, I was like, did the oh, was a good sign. <laughs> Confusing the consumer. <laughs> and granted, it was very quick. It was very quick that it popped up. But I, ooh, I got real annoyed <laughs> real fast because there is already so many additional other ways to spend money in this game. Because you can buy credits to customize the way your fighter looks and yada, yada, yada. Like, you already have microtransactions that exist in this game. In a $60 game, you already have another way to make money. Now you're looking for an additional way to now make money. And I think what's even worse about it is they did it in UFC 3 as well. Really? So when these ads started showing up in UFC 4, if you have the older <laughs> game that you could get, which part of me says this kind of makes sense because that game's available in the vault for <clears throat> EA Play, I guess, which is yeah. called now. So you, in theory, but if you buy your thirty dollars subscription, you don't have to. Yeah, you can play it without <laughs> "quote unquote" buying it. So I guess that one I'm not quite as upset about. But really, you're you're putting these ads for the boys in <laughs> games that are how many years old at this point? Yeah. It mm, it just really grinds my gears, and I think the Eurogamer article points it out too. But they conveniently turned this on after the reviews embargo like after the reviews were done right yeah everyone had finished the reviews <laughs> it's got a pretty solid metacritic score and now suddenly look we're adding commercials in the middle of your video game that you're cool with that right you're cool yeah, with that right that's and the thing that's interesting about this as someone who is a big ufc fan in general and i watch a lot of ufc this is as this this perfectly follows the line of what happens in the ufc as well because in the UFC, you know, their fighters have to wear the approved uniform. Now, back in the day, fighters would get sponsored by these companies and they'd have like all these patches and logos on their fight shorts. Can't do that anymore. That got completely done away with. So fighters can't earn money from that. They just get a basically a uh, uniform stipend or whatever from Reebok like every time they fight, which will soon be. Uh, I know that contracts up at the end of this year. But anyway. So the fighters got to have this clean, professional look, right? That's all you can do. But the UFC cage and the mat, there's ads everywhere. Yeah. Also, the company that's making buco bucks, millions and millions of dollars, is like, well, we're going to advertise everywhere that we want to. But you fighter who's barely making a lot of like enough money to live on, most of you have part-time jobs still or full-time jobs and, far and fight part-time. You can't make extra money by putting ads on your shorts. No, 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 no. That's unprofessional. Yeah. But this cage and the floor on this cage, yeah, we'll put Toyo tires and Reebok and some, you know, whiskey company and whatever else on there we want to. Harley Davidson, the official motorcycle of the UFC, all that dumb stuff, <laughs> P3 protein packs. And ugh. anyway, so it's just it's actually really humorous to me because it really follows in line with exactly like kind of how the UFC would do business as well. So this is disgusting. The fact that they did this is absurd. I'm glad that they decided to do away with it after you know, the overwhelming feedback they received from gamers. But, like, I already gave you $60. Someone's like, can we do this? I'm like, yeah, we can do it. But 
I mean, people might get mad. Oh, that one just undid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's right. do that. <laughs> someone turned on. No, you told someone to turn on. Not like someone yeah. randomly decided that like it's time. Like, they was like, yeah, right. Mikey walks money. into the office. Like, what's this red button do? Boom, ads and all of UFC. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Could you imagine, like, if they started showing ads, like, in a Madden game between quarters? Actually, it's a yay, so yeah, I can't imagine that. <laughs> right, but can you imagine, like, the reaction? But they're like, oh, it's the UFC, so, like, no one will care. And you can skip like, it. They they're like, hey, it's TV timeout. And then instead of right. you picking your play, you actually have to watch four commercials. Right. <laughs> and if you want to give me the option of not paying for the game and you're going to throw show me ads between rounds, fine. That's totally, totally valid. Yeah, because you have the but option. If I've paid 60, <laughs> yeah, but if I've paid $60 for your game... Do not start showing me commercials during the game. Yep. That that to me is not acceptable. Agreed. Sorry, I kind of flew off the handle there. I was very passionate about that. <laughs> no, and you speak for the other 15 people that play UFC. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was, I think, the number it sold. Yeah, it's very back. successful. We'll see how it, yeah, so we'll see how it goes, but. Awesome. Anything else you want to sell? About, uh, talk about with uh, selling ads and games? Uh, no, it's terrible. Don't do it unless you're going to charge me less money. Right. Okay. Now let me ask you a quick question related to that. What if it's in-game product placement? Or well, like it's you're running already in an in open that world in the and there's like a bl- Well, right. I know you are. I in <laughs> UFC totally. But I'm just saying, like in general, say you're playing like an open-world game, and as you're traveling across the country, there's a billboard for Coca-Cola. Like, are you cool with that? If it's just part of the world? I mean, we live in we live in this world where all these games we play, they have their. They're so imaginative. You got to put Coca-Cola. I mean, you get new Coca-Cola, right? Be a little bit more creative. Right, but Coca-Cola gave without a million dollars to put that Great. in. Great. New Coca-Cola didn't give them anything. I mean, I'm not mad at it, really, honestly. Like, Monster Energy Drink is all over Death Stranding. Or, yeah. But it is freaking annoying. And it feels so out of place because you're putting yourself in a situation that is not like the real world. Right. So why, like... All it does to me is it just takes me out of the narrative, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, I wasn't mad at the game because Monster Energy Drink was in it. It just seemed stupid right. that it was in it. And that's a decision <laughs> they had to make. Like, you yeah. know, they decided that their art isn't changed by Monster Energy Drink. I think it was. But <laughs> was, yeah. No, I don't disagree there. No, that's, I don't disagree that's there. their decision. But, I mean, I don't know. Is this a sign that maybe games should cost more money? Are they really struggling so for cash so much that they need to charge $89 like they're going to charge for like their next game? <laughs> or should games be $60 and then there should there be an ad version for $40? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but are you really okay with ads when you still paid $40 for a game? No, um, but I would also still pay 60 because I, I prefer Hulu with no commercials. So I pay yeah. more like for that option. But to give people the option, like... I still don't like the idea of it, but if they're really struggling, right. if they need to be profitable, like, and it means we get more games from them because they mm-hmm. offer that, then I'm more, I'm up for that. Yeah. The problem is the deceit. Yeah. I mean, looking at the, you know, EA exec salaries, I think they're making Sure. They're making money plenty of money. Fine. It's the game designers so. who don't make money. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay, enough of that. Off our soapboxes. On to topic three. Josh, the year is, the year is two-thirds over. Can you believe it? <laughs> I can't believe it's still 2020. So, no, I, know, right? I can't believe it. And while 2020 outside of gaming has been a bit of a firestorm, in gaming, well, okay, it's been a bit of a firestorm here as well. <laughs> so, you know what? I just thought we'd just take a little bit of time and just talk about, you know, what has been the most surprising thing 
board games, video games, both, neither. What are like, you know, the things that really surprised you so far this year? It could be a game that you had low expectations for that you loved, a news story, just anything that you were like, hey, this has been pretty surprising this year. And I, and I you know, was taken aback when XYZ thing happened. So, Josh, what has been one of the most surprising things for you this year? I mean, I don't know that it's it's surprising, but in this year, I guess it's not. But I, I am honestly very surprised with the amount of canceled conventions and conferences spanning yeah. all of the gaming industry. Um, right. I really thought people were going to try to push to make it happen. I'm glad they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that same way... It's also surprised me how they adapted and the quality of of content being put out despite these things being canceled, like um, the summer of, summer of games from from the Game Awards or Jeff Kelly specifically, um, Origins and Gen Con, Gen Con I should just say for now, or Gen Con online and what is right. going to be um, Asen Spiel looks to be the the end all be all of online con mm-hmm. like it's gonna be huge and they like designed a like webs like service. It's not even just a website yeah. from ground up. It looks incredible. Um and it's really streamlined so you can just go buy games, look at games, watch videos. Like it looks like it's gonna be great. So I'm yeah. just kind of like um surprised and inspired by like the determination of getting content to players. There's definitely things that I think are, are awful, like the way PAX is handling charging people still to have access to just like weird online panels, like I don't like. Right. Um, um, even the when with the Dice Tower thing that they did, where you still paid to go to Dice Tower Con, and and like the options just seemed weird, and they mixed it with another con, and they were still asking for people to pay. I also right. I understand how people have to pay money and be profitable but i mean people are suffering and that doesn't exclude you as a business um so there's definitely things that i see on both sides but i'm just kind of surprised and happy to see how things worked out as far as the convention stuff goes yeah no that's all good i think there is definitely going to be all right let me back that up do you think that conventions will ever go back to quote unquote the way they were? <laughs> Nothing's going to go back to the way it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin who lives out in Felsa, and they're definitely doing things differently than where I am. Um, he just went to a convention. They still had it. You required mm-hmm. to wear a mask, but they still did the right. convention. They still had meet and greets. He took pictures yeah. with celebrities who weren't even wearing masks. Excellent. So it's a little weird, right? Like, you're yeah. making your attendees wear masks and then you have people doing photo ops taking like, is it because people wouldn't recognize you with your mask on? Then are you a celebrity? <laughs> um, but then he like, he met Jason David Frank at a comic shop and like he got a number and they were just told to sit in their car until their number was called. So like, oh. you know, there's ways to get around it. That's why that's the way I can see certain convention style things change. Right. Um, really, if we do see conventions next year, it's going to probably be half capacity. Yeah. Um, which is going to come like things are going to be more expensive. It's going to be more expensive to go to yep. a convention um, because you're going to have to take in like security protocols and measures. And, and I mean, it will 
it will still be offered. It just will depend on who can afford to do it and who wants to do that. Right. Um, but, you know, people still need to make money, and that includes all these businesses who make a fortune at conventions. Because that's, like yeah. in board games, that's how you get your games into people's hands. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think one of the surprising things to me is that had you told me we're, you know, two months at this point from what is the theoretical slash rumored release of next generation <laughs> consoles, Josh. <laughs> yeah. We don't know the price. We have no ability to pre-order. We know some stuff about the consoles. We don't know what the launch lineups are. We really don't know, like, a lot of stuff yet, Josh. And yet, these things are supposed to be coming, like, super soon. And that is really surprising to me. I always thought, you know, I was one of those people who was like, oh, E3 going away, whatever. And just in general, not necessarily for this year, but just in general, I, I wasn't anti-E3 going away. But I feel like if we had E3 this year, I don't know that we'd be in the same spot that we are currently without knowing this much information. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we would have known in June <laughs> or July. <laughs> so that to me is just really surprising that we still just don't know. And especially last month was like the month of, well, we have to know this month, right? Like we have to. And then the month went on and then the month went on and then the month went on. And now we're in like, well, September, we have to know this month, right? Like we have to know. But do we? I don't even know that we're going to know in the, this month. <laughs> it's. Do you think this is? Do you genuinely think this is a big game of chicken between Xbox and PlayStation? I don't. I. This is what I do know. This is the most frustrated I've been with video game companies ever. Okay, that's that's a lot. Because I've never been frustrated really with <laughs> like they know the price, they know the release date, they have to know. They right. might not know the quantity of, mm -hmm. but that's not abnormal. Every time a next-gen console releases, they sell out. Yeah. Every time. It's un, like, it just is replenishment. When's the replenishment? Like, right. that's the question. You, do you think there, it's reasonable, though, that they don't, that they don't know numbers enough that they don't want to take pre-orders at risk of overselling pre-orders? No, because they should undersell pre-orders. <laughs> yeah. Just they should undersell pre-orders because they they have to because they also have to have consoles available for places that don't do pre-orders like Target and Walmart like those places don't There's do pre-orders. There there are rumors again everything is rumors these days. There are rumors that you know I don't know about the Xbox One because I don't stay on up to date with those, but there are rumors that for PlayStation that they may only be available via pre-order and there you won't be able to walk in and buy them in the store until next year. And that's crazy. Even like working Toys R Us when the way you came out, mm -hmm. we only got five units of each thing, but it was, you know, but it was five units. Right. You gotta, you gotta get, even if it's one, even if your best buy <laughs> gets one PS5 of each model, you, you right. gotta get your console into retail. You have to do it. I don't understand. I, I mean, we're in a different world. We are. And if coronavirus really affected manufacturing, I guess mm -hmm. I, my statement just falls on deaf ears. But I really don't see how you can't... You, 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 these are retailers that rely on your business, too. It's not just yeah. consumers. Right. No, absolutely. And if now, now, now you go to your local Best Buy, right, and they have 500 DualSense controllers... That they can't they can't sell because people just bought the controller online when they bought their 
console directly from console, Sony. Yeah. So like, what is Best Buy's gonna be like? Oh, great, we just lost a, a quarter of a million dollars on PlayStation Five accessories. We can't move. Yeah, and granted, like I said, most of those rumors say that you know there will be pre-orders through multiple retailers, but that will be like the limit. Like there won't be you won't be able to walk in and buy one at this point. Who do you think has? Who do you think is going to go first? Who do you think is going to be Xbox? Because I think honestly, whoever goes first at this point is going to get a ton of goodwill it, just for telling yeah. us. I really think now that we know that the state of play this month is PSVR, and they well, do, we, spec- do we know that though? Well, because they're doing this week is about oh, PSVR. But we don't know. I thought it was yeah, a state it's of just play this week. No, it's just this week they're focusing on okay, PSVR okay. this week. Okay, well then, if that's not the case, then um, I don't know. I really think I know that we we have been told. So that this is the rumored September 9th PlayStation thing, right? right? So originally we all thought, well, a lot of people thought it was going to be the, um, the Call of Duty multiplayer reveal at the Sony yep. PlayStation 5 reveal. So we know that that's right. at least not that. I think we are supposed to get an Xbox event the following week. Okay. I really think Xbox goes this month. Yeah, and I think if Xbox goes the so what day is today even? Today is the seventh. So if Xbox goes the week of the fourteenth, then I can see PlayStation going the week of the twenty first. Sure. If that's what it's coming if that's what really this whole thing is coming down to. Mm-hmm. This whole game of chicken, uh then yeah. I mean it's only right. gonna go whoever goes within a week, the next company. They are they probably already have the videos done with a placeholder for right. the models and the price and they're just waiting. Yeah. The only the only thing that I can potentially see as being a possibility is maybe PlayStation doesn't actually know their launch lineup yet. Maybe they don't know if it's going to be Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank, which would be ridiculous if both Insomniac games are out at launch, yeah. or if it's going to be uh, the Demon Souls remake, like maybe they're still trying to finalize what those games are, which that I could buy just because how many games have we seen in the last X number of months been delayed a month or six weeks yeah. or something like that, you know? But they know Microsoft doesn't have anything. They just, and, that, <laughs> and that's just the facts, right? Like <laughs> right. they're yeah, releasing yeah, their yeah. console and they're and it's resting on third-party support. It is. And that's fine. People are still going to buy that console, right? So, so Sony, I mean, they just, they don't have to announce launch games. Honestly, at this point, people would scream and joy from the rooftops just to get an announcement of price and date. It's all they need. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, I would like to know the launch line. You might be more like on, to know that when I'm... on point, though. If, if they know that they can only offer direct pre orders, that right. might be why they're reluctant to put this information out because that could look bad for them yeah i think the other big surprise for me this year just real quick uh i think is how well kickstarter has done for board yeah i'm really surprised with just how um with everything going on with the economic downturn with everything that's been happening in the world uh, i'm surprised that kickstarter has board games have still just been plugging along and doing pretty great uh that that's super surprising to me the year started strong and the summer i think went pretty well as overall as well uh we have some big ones that are supposed to be kicking you know coming out this dropping this fall too so uh for me that was another just big surprise it, kickstarter seems to still be doing great and really seems right now like about the only it's not the only way but the big way that games are getting um a lot of draw just because with friendly local game stores being closed and all that good stuff due to covid that really seems to kind of be uh the center of hype in the board game industry right now at least to me yeah 
Any other surprises for you, sir? I think I'm surprised. I really am, and I, I, don't, I don't know if we say this every year or not, but I'm really surprised with the quality of games that came out this year, specifically uh, on PlayStation. Um, I think we didn't really know what we, a lot of games we thought we would have already played and finished has, haven't even come out yet. Right. Um, and I still think we, we, we couldn't have predicted, we knew Last of Us Part Two was going to be good. Right. We definitely couldn't have predicted the story and how that played out and how, and how many people hate this game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Final Fantasy remake, like, um, but I think for me, my biggest surprise of this year's Ghost of Tsushima, at least for games, mm-hmm. uh, this wasn't even on my radar. If it wasn't for you. Like, I didn't really have this on my radar. It seemed like another Sekiro or Souls game to me. So I was like totally disinterested. Um, and which really just became like this insanely well done game and a game that is basically. Uh, unintentionally set the standard for load times in next generation games. Yeah, it's um, and then you know it just it's just really incredibly surprising to me how much I enjoyed this game and uh, how Sucker Punch really nailed this game, which is really not something in their wheelhouse. Like to a degree, like they have this great experience with the games they made, but they've never made a game like this. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And Fall Guys would be also a huge surprise yeah. for me yeah. um, this year, especially how much I am enjoying. Still playing it, and I come to find out, like, I'm seeing pictures of them at, like, PAX events in the past, and, like, I completely mm-hmm. missed those. Like, this game is, like, <laughs> people have been sleeping on it for years, apparently. Um, right. So, yeah, um, th- th- those two games, at least specifically, uh, were really a-, a surprise for me this year. Yeah, I think for me, you know, kind of building off that, I think there have just really, I think Microsoft has had a really good year for their studio releases too, or their, the the games that are kind of affiliated there. Like if you think about Ori and you think about Flight Simulator and Wasteland 3, like they've had some really good games released this year. Now, the big thing being other than outside of Ori, just personally, the games that they've had this year are just not my jam my like my type of game yeah. but i still think from the quality perspective a lot of the games maybe not battletoads from what i'm hearing but a <laughs> lot of the other games ha- you know have really been hitting on all cylinders so i think quite it has been a very quiet but good year for games in the face of everything else that's going on i think there's been a lot of great stuff to play all year you know obviously the last of us part two is kind of the big um that and probably final fantasy 7 remake were like the big heavy hitters known named games but i think there's just been a lot of surprisingly good games this year I, you know if you you know look at back at like 2018 which was a stellar year for games and things like that i think this year stacks up there's just a lot of really good things that came out this year so um you know hopefully the end of the year is strong as well too because we definitely have some opportunities for that to continue yeah. so fully agree heck tony hawk's pro skater one and two is supposed to be amazing yeah it's getting really good reviews. It's getting really good reviews. So maybe that should be the surprise that they made a good Tony Hawk game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't really make it. They just remastered it. Remade it. <laughs> so, I mean, they definitely put some effort yes. into that remaster, yes. though. A if lot I'm going to be hard on Nintendo, remaster. I also have to be hard on Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just saying, they put a lot of work into yeah. that one. Um, I haven't checked out the reviews for Kingdoms of Amalar, though, because that should be out the day this... Release oh, really? it's out tomorrow. 
Yeah, because that comes out the 8th, the same day this podcast goes live. So I wonder how that's doing. Nice. So Cool. All right, Joshua, with that, let's kind of get this train to the station, kind of wrap this show up. No emails or questions this week from you, dear listeners. Just remember, you can hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or Board with VG at gmail.com. So we're just going to move on to our well-rounded life recommendations. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to leave you with one final recommendation or thing we're currently into that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation? Well, Amalur is sitting at a 75, just so you know, on oh, okay. PlayStation. Okay. So it's probably higher on Xbox because, you know. Probably. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay, so my recommendation, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, we did our our date night. We had planned on doing this for a while. Um, we decided we were going to purchase Mulan because it's so cheaper than going on a date to the movies. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. We did sushi in Mulan. And I know I'm not. it's not appropriation. We just have sushi when we go out on date nights. <laughs> um, and also we understand that Mulan is in China and sushi is t- typically from Japan. <laughs> so we're, we're not trying to mess up anything like that. Uh, don't cancel me. Um, what I would say about Mulan, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was... Um, very well filmed. Uh, you can tell they put mm-hmm. a lot of work into um, stunts. It has a, a crouching mm-hmm. tiger feel to a lot of the scenes, mm-hmm. which is nice. It certainly is not the Mulan you know. I mean, right. at its core, it is Mulan. Like, you know the idea. They change up. The bad guys are different. Um, there's no Mushu. He's basically replaced with a Phoenix. Um that's not a spoiler. It's in the trailers. And I won't spoil anything because uh, the story is told a little bit differently. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. There's definitely, uh, if I'm going to be a little critical, you can tell there's a few times where the CG is hard to miss. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> blend as well as they probably wanted it to. Um, okay. But the story is very touching still. Uh, there's no singing. Uh, all the music that you know is all orchestral symphony style so you're not getting like the musical aspects to it until Mm -hmm. you know you get christina aguilera at the end credits that's about it um jet lee plays the emperor which i was pretty happy about uh nice to see jet lee acting again um jason scott lee is the bad guy and i love jason scott lee um the, the actress they picked to to play milan she did great um very well done i really enjoyed the story uh and yeah it was definitely worth the the purchase and i was able to use my google play credits because i i got it on my disney plus app from my phone so it actually prompted me to use my google play rewards so oh, i nice. only pay like 11 bucks for it so oh that's it worked not bad out real well. <laughs> very cool so that is mulan on disney plus you can buy it now in early access kind premium of premium access is what they call premium it. access Thank it does you. have special features uh, a few so we did watch like uh-huh. a behind the scenes on the stunts and behind the scenes on how they made it and then it has like four christina Aguilera music videos <laughs> oh nice um but yeah gotcha and i think it's coming to the service just in general in december, december 4th right yeah so just a few months away uh, my recommendation, Josh, okay, so I was going to recommend this docu-series that I'm watching, but there's only three episodes of it released so far. Ooh, what's it called? So I didn't feel like uh, The Vow. Yes, I'm watching that. <laughs> oh my gosh, Josh. It is like 
Oh, it's really good. I've only watched the first two episodes because I guess the yeah. third one just came out on Sunday. On Thursday, oh, on Thursday it comes out on Thursdays. Yeah, I, th- I think that show. I think that comes out on Thursdays nice. or Fridays. Yeah. but anyway, yeah, I heard them. They were talking about it on my favorite murder of the podcast, and uh-huh. I was like, oh, I actually paused the podcast and went and watched the first two episodes because oh, they really? sound that like uh, <laughs> I was immediately intrigued. Yeah, it, it's super intriguing, and it's one of those things that. When you watch it, there's a whole bunch of things where you're like, okay, well, I guess this part or this part or this section isn't super engaging. And, oh, you've already kind of talked about this thing, but we're going to talk about it again. That's fine. Whatever. There are definitely there's some drawbacks to the show, but I can't stop watching it, Josh. I just want to watch it so much. Well, they did a good it's job in the weird. first episode. It is kind of a little boring, but it's all set up. Yeah, it is definitely set up. And they do overall a pretty nice job at the end of being like, <gasps> yeah. oh, gosh, was what? Yeah. That? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Next episode. Here we go. But anyway. If you're looking for a more contained experience that's all available to you now is a documentary also on HBO Max called Class Action Park. Uh, This documentary is about Action Park, which was a uh, destination, a a amusement park in the late 70s, 80s, and early 90s in New Jersey. Of all places. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that basically, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to sum it up. The way they created rides was basically someone was like, wouldn't it be cool if, and then they just built it. No engineers, just some guys. no nothing. <laughs> um, and then they would have the employees go to on these rides to see if how hurt they would get. And if the employees survived, then the ride would be open to the public, I guess. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it, it's on HBO Max. It's super interesting. It really kind of gives you a look into just what it was like to be like a kid in the 80s especially yeah. uh and what it meant to <laughs> like go and do stuff and, and live in a world where maybe we weren't always super worried about how safe we were going to be <laughs> when doing stuff uh but also just an interesting look at you know how this park came to be what it was like to work there uh and they have interviews with people who did work there people who like attended like went there as kids or remember going there as kids um and honestly i i am laughing and joking about it but you know, for unfortunately, there's a, there's a lot of many many people died at Action Park. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of walks you through all of that. It actually you hear from some members of the fa- of family members of people who passed away while there. Um, so it's a really really interesting look at just how this thing came to be, the audacity of the person who created it to make it happen, and their just not care for rules. Um, and really in some ways the power of money hmm. uh, and it's it's so it's a, it's a good it's 90 minutes pretty cl- well paced um, and it's definitely roller co- it's kind of like a ride itself because there's parts where you're laughing and then you know a couple minutes later you're like oh <laughs> I feel really bad about laughing about all these things because there are some bad things that happened here yeah. um, but that's Class Action Park on HBO Max Josh what do you say we wrap this let's up let's do it thanks for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with hashtag board with VG. So please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board With Video Games feed. 
You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. It's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. And if you're in a Discord, check out A Decade of Horror. Please, we would love some feedback. If you like it, if you don't, would you like change? Let us know. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.